talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hello and welcome to another Dropped Kickoff Pod. Um, it's your sometimes host, Nick H, here. And I'm here with the same crew, but a reduced crew. No Jack today. We've only got uh, Nathan and Nick W with us. How are you today, boys? I'll let the uh, age before beauty go first. As the Adam Clayton of this podcast, I uh, I stand in and just am the glue that holds us all together. Yeah. But I'm very good. <laughs> I, say, I think we're still trying to figure out if I'm Bono or The Edge, but, you know, I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing good. It's an exciting couple of weeks for Robbie coming up. Pardon? Are you wearing the beanie tonight? No, I, oh. I'm missing the beanie. That's going to be the next edition. That, that'll, <laughs> that'll come with the road, Mike. <laughs> It'll just come naturally. I was I was very sad to see at the Tars game on on Saturday night that you weren't wearing the beanie as you were in in working mode. You were up in that in that press box working hard, um, and but no beanie. Like you were just you were just cooking up a storm working up there. Mate, just just braving the elements, just in the glorious open air media box that is Leichhardt Oval with some of the hardest chairs in the world. It's just it's tough. It's a tough life. Open air and soundproof. Yes, I don't know yeah, how and, that works. Yeah, it it was weird because you know Nick, both Nicks were at the game and we we're trying to chat to Nick Hardman afterwards, and you just you we were two foot away from each other, could not hear a word the other one was not. saying. I had to stand up, and you I had to stand up on top of the chair, and you had to stand up for me to shout over the top of the edge. It's remarkable technology, you know, like I, it's one of those grounds. It's it's just part. It's beyond its years. It's got. Just this technology 30 years in advance and other areas, which is just 30 years in the past. That's why I call it the eighth wonder. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it was a, it was a great night. Um, and actually, you know, why don't we start there? Why don't we start there with the Waratahs? Uh, we all there. Um, Nathan, you're obviously busy working, but Nick, you had a couple beers, which only enhances your viewing experience. How did you find the game? Interesting. It was a bit of a, a bit of a stop-start affair for most of it. I mean, I was amazed kind of looking at, I think it was at like the 32-minute mark, and I realised the score was still nil-nil, which, which, mm. uh, which yeah. was quite surprising. It, was a, it, was a, it turned into a really good match in the second half. Um, but, you know, it's, it, I, I must say, if you were a Tars fan, like so many people, are, there's the whole talk of the B side or the C side or whatever, and, and you know, fans and trolls throw that throw that around willy-nilly whenever one team beats the more favourable team. Um, but, you know, in this in this instance, sometimes, I think in this particular game, I think it's the second week in a row that the Blues had won with a drop kick, with a drop kick, not a dropped kick off, but a dropped kick uh, to, to decide it at the death. Nice. Um, but, I mean, full credit to that Blues side. They were really aggressive, particularly in the forward pack. Uh, I thought that they really kind of uh, showed up the Tars a little bit. Um, and you know, for a lot of the time, particularly in that first half, I thought the Tars were kind of just spluttering. They were trying to just trying to get some sort of momentum, some sort of, you know, game forward. Um, I know you were furious after the match, weren't you, Mister Hartman? You you hopped yeah. onto the drop kicked off Twitter and you and you uh, accused the ref of uh, ref ball. Oh uh, yeah, it was it was definite ref ball. Like I don't know, like if it was 
warranted. Was the bees talking? When it was Hunters it at the Bees talking. Like... It was the bees talking. <laughs> Nick 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 char- essentially char- almost charged the press box. Like that's what that's what he climbed out of the top to say. He was yeah, just like, yeah. "Can you make sure you're talking about this ref ball?" I had I, like some... I, I had Tom decent by his collar. I think um... he he was intimidated. I could say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tom's decent. You just like you, you can't yeah. you can't be oh. me. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. That's disgusting. This oh, is why the Adam God. Payton of this team. Man. That's that's terrible. This but is no, why Nathan I mean, writes a baseline. Um, but, it, was, it was a good game, though. It was just this point where, yeah, so the Waratahs were dominant ones. It's like when you said splattering before, it was kind of like, are they... Is it because the Blues good? Or is it because the Waratahs just kind of, you know, dropping their spaghetti, so to speak? Like, are they just kind of nervous and don't know how to deal with it? Or is it because the Blues were playing out of this world there were stories that came out i think uh i think maybe it was in tom decent's copy that they'd been studying the or maybe it was paul Kelly. i can't remember one of the sydney morning herald guys uh that they were studying the brumbies all week yeah, you know to see because they expected to play them in the quarterfinals so maybe it, that was part of it but i mean if the brumbies this is their b team um and they held the waratahs a team at arm's length and then when they started losing which was about the 60th minute something just kind of clicked and especially that's what i'm talking about ref born maybe it was just imperious like they just pushed up the field kept winning everything kept going just had all like they, they just stepped into another gear as a cliche um but i feel it's just like there was a couple of times like it's just that weird crap that you get from Kiwi refs where there's a thousand chunky throws all night. And then, oh yeah, when they're chasing the game on the 75th minute, there's a wonky throw and he calls it. And everyone at the ground could see it. Well, especially where we were, Nick, because we could see straight down the line. Like, it's just like, it's, um, it's why you hate rugby, to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, bullshit. like, you get the point it down the line. Like, you know, it's just crap. That's um, that's a, that's a nice positive start to the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a no, positive podcast, are we? But no, I mean, like, no, it was. Let's Nathan. What's your official line on it? Um, positive we, official line on the game. Uh, we love referees and we shall not bash them. Um, no, that's why that's just rubbish. Rail line. Um, I, I, I mean, I still thought it was a good game. Like, I mean, you call call it a world, uh, Blues B team, but when, when you bring on a Kiriwani with after like 10, 15 minutes, like he's such a big addition. You know, Waratah's team missing Parisi, Johnson, Holmes, Harrison. Um, and you, you had Parecki with neck concerns. I think come off midway through, or I think it's somewhere. Yeah, it was pretty early. First half. So yeah. he's he's in doubt as well. So like, not exactly a full strength start. I think it's just it's something Coleman's touched on in the past, but. You you talk about that kind of fifteen twenty minute period before the um before the full time siren. It's just that difference in fitness between the sides. Like it's not. I don't think it's a skill thing. I think it's just the fact that they're that they've got that extra level on us. So when it comes down to those crunch moments, I mean the Waratahs you saw it against the Hurricanes as well. The Crusaders game. If that game goes for another five minutes, they probably lose it. But it's just like it's just that was that's what I thought the difference was, and they just. Just couldn't hang on, and I mean, fair play to Zion Sullivan. That was a that was a clutch kick with about six or seven Waratahs charging at him, just, just to nail that. I mean, it was a great game, and they fair play. They showed why they're the top team. 
He, he, was a, he had a great game, didn't he, Sullivan? I was thinking that he was probably up there for player of the match, um, just in terms of game management in the back three position. Um, needs a new haircut, though. But apart from that, he had a perfect night. Um, just the and and on on your point, Nick, about you know discussion of you know ref ball and stuff. Part of me also thought that it was uh, that it was the case that the Blues just in terms of strategy, just knew exactly what to do. Play they kind of played the ref themselves a little bit, which is not an illegal tactic to do in the game. Mm. I mean, you know, you you play to the ref's rules and you play to that. That's just you know part of the game in itself. Um, and and yeah, you, you know, some <clears throat> some way, some decisions go one way or the other. That's just it's rugby at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I thought it was mostly it was. I think if you're a Tars fan, you should be pretty disappointed because. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the fact that just uh, kind of putting things in, things in perspective and seeing just how far this Tars team has come in 15 games this season. Um, to be to to find themselves in the finals position where they are, and to push what is probably the strongest team in the comp, um, yeah, yeah, to the level that they did, even if it is a B side. But then again, that B side is is still a quality side because they are the strongest team in the comp. Um, is you know a good indication of of where this task team will hopefully go in the coming in the coming seasons. Um, I think there's you know there's a lot to take out of it. Of course, it was a game that I think the Tars should have won. And they'll be kicking themselves about it. But you know, coming we're coming into quarterfinals now, and quarterfinals, you know, they'll probably be better off from having a loss than maybe having than going into the game into the into the quarterfinals completely full of confidence and then potentially being slipped up. Yeah, totally. And you know, but actually, I should say, as long as I would love to not talk about any other teams, talk about the Waratahs, we just go forward to the quarterfinals. Unfortunately, we'll get angry emails. We should talk about the other games that happened this weekend or this week. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. Where do we want to start? What was the game on Friday? The Reds and Crusaders. Um, do we have to talk about that one? Like, I mean, oh. like it, it wasn't too I'm bad. I'm happy to go over it. Um, I'm going to say, one, one thing we, well, let's bring up. That, that Pablo Matera yellow card, how is he not suspended for it? Mm. And I, I, don't, I know we're getting a ref bit ball. negative. I was saying it, ref four. But this, this feels like the one instance where you go, like, if you... Th- I thought I got, understood the thresholds, but when you see someone, when you see something which looks like you could you could have named it out straight out of the WWE, like, and that's that's apparently just a yellow card. Like, come on, there's there's something we got to fix up there. But I mean, I mean, it's a disappointing defeat for you, for the Reds. But I mean, like, it's sure it was. This, they seem to get outclassed by a Crusader side without Richie Mwanga, without a couple of other stars. But I mean. They'll get Hunter Paisami back this week. They'll be better off facing them this 80 minutes. And, I mean, let's face it, if they manage to somehow pull pull a result out on Friday, no one's going to remember last week. No one's going to remember the 0-5 they've gone against Kiwi sides. Like, they they all of a sudden just pick up momentum like that and can get recapture some of the magic that they had at the start of the season. Um, how, how likely do you think it is that they will pull out this... Um this this cat out of the bag against Crusaders next week. Like it's it's a I mean Crusaders are always so good at home. They just they just manage to lift and you know we, as a, as it kind of touched on with Mawanga coming back into that side that's that's a big addition. But like it's it's one of those things. The Reds just need to go back to their direct style of rugby. I think I think it got brought up. They 
kicked the ball like 30 times or something like that. And when you're getting in a kicking battle with a Kiwi side, you never you never end up well. You never end up on top. Uh, it's an issue that I think they face against the Chiefs as well. It was one of the close games where they, mm. they just went back to their kicking side. And it just it never works. So they need to be hopefully getting Hunter back. They'll be more, a bit more direct. And if they can get him, if they can get Geordie and... Um, Vunivalu firing. I mean, why not? Why can't they beat the Crusaders? So, well, I don't know. I mean, why can't you at any time? I mean, I guess you could go in and drop Gastro into the hotel room and hope for the best, but uh, I, I don't really see it um, the old, the happening. The trick. Yeah, the old lasagna. Um, I think an interesting thing is that... Um, I, I was having this chat with, and I think, Nick, if you're back here, um, you can join in if your internet's come back online. Um, but Brad Thorne was looking like the great white hope of Australian rugby coaching ranks 18 months ago. Now, I think based off this last season, he's definitely the third best coach. Um, should we have much hope for the Reds going forward? So... It's a good question to ask about Brad Thorne because I've been wondering what the hell's going on here as well uh, in terms of just coming into the, you know, into round 10, Reds were top of the table. Statistically, they were doing really well. They'd beaten the Brumbies who were probably, you know, still the second strongest team by like 21 to three, Um, but you know, in that, in the round beforehand. So there was a, a sense or a feeling that it, that of the teams as we were heading into that kind of you know the latter half of the season the reds would be the ones most likely to to stand up um and you know deliver the most wins you know against uh, against the men from across the ditch but <sighs> watching their games and i think it was particularly the case against the highlanders and the crusaders there's Kind of an observation I felt was that there is a very talented squad in this Reds team. Like you'd be lying not to to deny, like to not to admit that. Like if you if you thought that this this squad didn't have enormous potential and you know are genuine title contenders, but whether it was, I, I part of me thought that the issue kind of lied with whatever approaches they took to the Kiwi top sides. Or the fact that the Kiwi teams had some sort of strategy that they that they thought, okay, this will take apart Thorne's game plan. Let's implement this. And Thorne and the coaching staff just failed to adjust. Well, I guess and, to what you're saying, it's a very talented team, but not as talented as the coaching. Whereas you look at Dan McKellar, you look at Darren Coleman, you can tell they're a bit smarter. They can deploy their... Uh, Talents more effectively versus no, it's, 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 adaptability. It, it's a case of adaptability. It's like, you know, they can get beaten in a game, but they, what they learn from is what happens when things go wrong. Um, and they, and they get shown up. The, and on that point, the Brumbies had been beaten, you know, 21 three by, you know, by the Reds, like in the round or two before, you know, the, the Anzac round. And then they came back and won three on the trot against the Kiwis and didn't repeat the mistakes of, of games previously. Similarly with, with Coleman, there's a sense of accountability when you go wrong, but also the fact that, you know, you're not going to repeat those mistakes again. With the mm. Reds, it just has felt like they're either trying 
to play a particular style of game uh, and it's not working and it's the insanity of doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. when you know it doesn't work. And the word was almost checker-like. <laughs> is what Ooh. it felt like. Ooh. See, I wouldn't go that far. Like, you've got, to, you've got, we got to remember as well. Like, this is a Reds team without a, a generational tight head prop. Like, probably your first tight head prop that's going to go, or one of the, your first tight head props that's going to go overseas and get comfortable seven figures for his services. You have James O'Connor, who is last year's Super Rugby MVP, out on the sidelines with no real ten backup. Like, you've, you've essentially taken. Let's face it. Tight head prop and fly half was always those two positions where it was like there's no depth, there's not much depth there, but it didn't matter because you had these, you had the top of line players in there. So, like, we can't discount how much taking those two guys out has kind of damaged any plans Thorne would have had to attack the Kiwi sides. Like, I, I, but here's why I kind of disagree though, Nate, because like, you know, you, you and I have, have watched this particular red squad for the last few years and. This is a really talented squad. And, um, you know, a lot of them came up and played together <clears throat> through NRC. A, lo- um, a lot of them have come through those really, really difficult period in the at the end of the 2010s when the Reds were kind of building their way back up. Um, and <clears throat> you've got someone like Harry Hooper or someone like that who who isn't who I actually think is a genuinely strong super rugby player. And yet... Uh, and yes, he might be he might be you know uh, secondary compared to 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 Taniela Tupo in terms of sheer strength and athletic ability, but he's a consistent player. And I mean, how many times before James O'Connor came back did we talk about Hamish Stewart um, or you know other players slotting in at the t- in the ten position? Uh, there is so much talent in Queensland, and but to lack- go back, I don't think Nathan was saying there was no talent. Um, no, no, I, I know that, but like, I'm saying... Why have they I, absolutely fallen off the rails? I think it comes down... Well, I think it comes... I don't think it comes down to the talent addition, addition or playing, you know, it's, because they have still been competitive. Like, it doesn't come down to athletic ability. I think it comes down to the either the, the, they have a mental block or, like, they've got into their own heads a bit after going losing the first couple of games or the strategy that they're bringing to those games isn't working and there's a struggle to adapt. I do think that's actually that's actually a very good point. I had a chat. It kind of takes me back to a chat I had with um, Noah Alessio uh, in like at April, and he he mentioned and this was before um, the Super Round and all that stuff, and he he mentioned how last year's Trans Tasman, when the Brumbies went to the Crusaders, and they I believe it was a two point loss. I think he had a kick after the siren to tie it or win it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he he mentioned how going there and you know, coming so close yet falling apart, just it broke the side and they never really recovered until that that return to J.O. Stadium where they beat the Hurricanes. And I just wonder if that, as you said, that 17-0 lead they let up against the Hurricanes at Super Round, if that's just kind of broken their spirit a little. And then when you compound that with injuries to Tupo, to O'Connor, to... Yeah, in and out injuries that they've had throughout the season as well. I just wonder, you know, Liam Wright was, they lost as well. I just wonder if that's kind of contributed to that as well. I'm not going to call for like the culling of, like some folks have said off the back of this, oh, well, you know, Thorne must go. I don't think it's it's that bad. I think um, every coach in their development goes through 
periods like this and it's as much a learning experience uh, for a coach going through moments like these and figuring things out um, than it is, you know, for a player. And yeah, I, I, so like, you think they'll bounce back next year? Well, look, top. you always, I always look. They have the talent to bounce back next year, and you know, to 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 call and remembering here that Thorn has been kind of the real spearhead that has turned this red side from kind of being a bit of a hot mess. It was, you know, in the in in years previous, like great potential, but just utterly rudderless into a side that genuinely looks dangerous every week. And in most instances, we think, I mean, like we're talking about in regular season, they still won more than they lost despite their failure against the Kiwis. So to, I wouldn't necessarily call for Thorne's head. <laughs> I think that's completely the wrong way to go about it. The bloke is a, is clearly a very, a very talented coach, a very talented um you know, bloke and has and has potential to really grow in this space, um, but it should be taken note because I mean, remember all the conversations and chat that was going on before the start of Anzac Round about you know how there was issues about Thorne wanting to be the, the Wallabies coach, um, and there was all the chat between him and whether him and McKellar would be, you know, a, a success like a, the successor to Rennie, which for the record I think is a, is a conversation that is that shouldn't even be happening. Rennie's only had two seasons, and frankly, is still to fully implement his his World Cup plan. So let the conversation arise where it may. Um, right now, pure no politics. It's pure. It politics. is pure politics, but yeah, the, move on. I think I think the this these last few rounds have shown that Thorne has still a lot of growth as a, to, to do as a coach. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's. He's the right. He's got the right mentality. He's got the right approach to this team. This team, um, but what he really needs is something that Mc, that McKellar and Coleman have really been showing, which is they take you know if they take a loss, they then adapt to it and then come back the next week stronger, which was a real positive that I think has been the case for you know especially those two teams in this season. Yeah, totally. Talk about McKellar. I think he's undervalued as a coach, um, and it's also a nice segue. <clears throat> To uh, the Brumby shock loss to Moana Pacifica uh, on the weekend. Um, uh, uh, Nick, you're a Brumbies fan. Um, quick word about this loss. Oh, look, depressing, sad. Um, but it, it, that's at the same time, you've got to give credit where credit's due to a Moana Pacifica. I think um, they were really played really well. I thought Liliafano was absolutely fantastic. Um, he had a really good game. I thought Havili had a really good game. Their forwards put in a really strong performance as well. And maybe it, is the, uh, maybe it was the fact that Brumbies might have been a bit complacent um, going into that match. It definitely, they, they definitely didn't seem to be at the high tempo they were. And then, of course, like the, their discipline, particularly in the second half, got a bit to them when uh, McInerney and Brown got carded. Um, it's, you know, so, like people were making the, the same comments when the Hurricanes lost to Moana Pacifica. Um, you know, I think it's credit where credit due. Moana Pacifica is, at, is a really strong side and it, it's a really positive way for them to finish their season. Is, is Nick coping here by not worrying about it or? What is it, the, the first step is denial or something like that? Nah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I, no, I I actually agree with Nick. Like I think it's we, we can't actually discredit 
how not how good Milana played. Like they were they were really good. I mean, and you got to remember as well, it was Sokobi Kepi's one fiftieth as well. And you know, seeing their captain red carded inside ten minutes, that's na- that's <laughs> yeah. like that's naturally going to fire up any team. And I mean, I, I'm also a big believer in you in having a loss before a final. I, I think you you know getting that bad game, bad, oh, sorry, that bad performance out. Yeah. And so you just kind of go, can go and go right. All right, we're back to square one here. We're we're not coming in here with any inflated egos. Like we're, we're just ready to go. So. Like I wouldn't be too worried if, I, if for Brumbies fans. Like, hopefully they get Rob Valentini back this week. Um, you know, playing at home against the Hurricanes, which is a team which they looked pretty comfortable against in um, round eleven. So, I I don't think there's much to worry about. So, it's just awesome. one, it's just one of those just one of those losses that sometimes happen in sport. Yeah, too easy. And I think it's also great compliment to Moana. That was their third game in, uh, I think, seven or eight days because they had to play a catch-up yeah. game against the Force. That was a holdover from when it got cancelled in Super Round. So I think that's a good shout-out to them. That must be tough. Like, I mean, they do it a lot in other sports, but in rugby, like, three games in eight days, like, God, nah, it's fucking, that's full-on. Well, um, it's incredibly yeah. tough, but, I mean, what's incredible Hoover about this final it. round is... Yeah, well, Hoover could do Hoover could do three days, sorry, three games in one day. Like, yeah, he's that type of guy. But what what amazes me, and it's a kind of it's a nice segue as well, is you had what you had two teams playing their th- their third game in seven or eight days, and they went two and zero. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. Because yes, amazing segue, Nathan. Maybe you should be hosting. That's great narrative building there. Uh, because yes, the Force beat the Hurricanes. Um. I didn't watch this game because I was out drinking after the Waratahs game. Um, but Nathan, you had to do it for work. What was the vibe? Like, the Hurricanes rest everyone. Um, I mean, I've watched the Force a few times this season, and they sometimes look like they could never score a try. Um, I think key in mind was when they were hammering down the Blues in Perth, and they could just not find a gap and had about 27 million phases. Um how was the game? Um, did the force outplay the Hurricanes? The Hurricanes, was it a case of the Hurricanes playing their B team? Um, but definitely an unexpected um, win for the force. It wasn't even a B team. Like, it's, it, sure, missing Geordie, he's such an influential player for any team. So, you know, not having him at 12 kind of would ruin, ruin anyone's kind of momentum and flow. But they still had they still had a near full strength side. And I think it was just a case of a lot of fourth players just stepped up. I mean, they they went down, went down seventeen six, and then you had um, Mendrano, um, the Argentinian international, just take the game on and say, right, get the ball in my hands. And he crossed. You know, Pasatoa then stepped up with a couple of nice plays. Their back row, especially, just killed him. Um, Jackson Pugh, the, the number eight, looks like an absolute talent, one to look for next year. And they just. Just managed to get it done and get bringing on Michael McDonald, who's he's just he's just brought real energy to the bench with no um, fine little seer. And then Byron Rouston getting it done at the end, like that's it was just it seemed like the perfect way to go. And we talked, you know, it's fit, fitting we talked about Moana as well, but you a fitting way to go for you know your, your um, Greg Holmes, your Jeremy Thrush, Richard Kahui, even though he's he went out with a concussion five minutes in. Yeah, 
Carl Godwin um, is off is off overseas. Rolston himself is overseas. Tim Sampson, you know, eventually ended up being his last game. But it just it just seemed like there was so much playing for the force, and they just found a way to get it done when they needed to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick, um, did you manage to catch this game at all? You know, hell hath no fury like a motivated force team. Um, because it, it's, it seemed very eerily familiar to that time they thumped the Waratahs in what, you know, was going to be their last Super Rugby match for a, a while in Matt, Ho- Matt Hodgson's send-off. They just came out motivated. And it's those those once-in-a-blue-moon games where, you know, you could be the Crusaders and you'd have a, you'd have a tough night at the office against, you know, a team that motivated. Because they just didn't go away. Um, but... I, I look at this the like I look at this match and with kind of a very bittersweet feel, and I, and we're going to touch on it in in the following game because of the you know topics that we we all everyone's been the subject of in terms of the rebels win and what they chose to do, but like where's that performance been <laughs> all season like that that those one percenters to push the team all the way because there's been so many games like at home especially everyone forgets that that's the forces first win at home. Um, in the whole year and after so many games where they went down by one point or two points or four points and losing bonus points, just to see them, you know, really kind of in the, in that last moment, push all the way to the end and grab that W. Um, it was just, it was really, really positive to see. Um, and hopefully bodes well for the folks who do stick around because uh, Cronny is on his way. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, totally. They're going to be so much better. I think... Cronny is on the same level with Darren Coleman. Cron was Darren Coleman before Darren Coleman was Darren Coleman. Um, so it will be great to see him there and what he can do. And I don't think, is it Todd Sampson? I don't think he'll be out of a job for long. Tim, um, no, I don't think so either. He'd just I go mean, up to Japan Tim, Tim and Sampson. get a better wage. Sambo. Tim Sampson, sorry. Sorry, not Todd Sampson. <laughs> he's, he's on the ground transfer. Um, that would be interesting <laughs> if someone accidentally hired Todd Sampson as rugby coach. Um, that'd be I'd great. <laughs> yeah, yeah the branding would be the... really good. The jerseys would look flash as, but uh, um, but yeah, total quick segue, so easy into the Rebels and Highlanders. Absolute shock to me that the Rebels beat the Highlanders. I mean, the Highlanders did have something to play for, which was getting into the bottom eight, and the Rebels still overcame them. Um, before we get on, if no, if no one saw it, Matt. So the Rebels were beating the Highlanders and they had enough time at the end. Uh, the, the, the clock had ticked over and the Rebels had a kick. Maybe on the 50-meter line, I think. Yeah, 50. And around the 50. Kind of like if the Rebels could kick it, go for the line out, try to score an extra try, they would get – that would mean the Highlanders wouldn't get a bonus point because they ended up uh, losing by one. So they got a bonus point. If the Highlanders didn't get that bonus point, the force – having beaten the uh, Hurricanes, would have gone into the bottom eight to face and get beaten 50 points to 12, the Blues in Auckland this weekend. But uh, that wasn't the case, which we'll get to. I'm not not mistaken. Um, But I guess, uh, uh, Nathan, I guess it's it's hit you up. What do you think about the Rebels against the Highlanders? Do they play really well? And then then we can get into the Matt Tamula stuff. I, mean, I, th- I think they they were excellent. I mean, the it really seemed like their young guys just stepped up. I mean, Glenn Vaux on the wing and Glenn Vaux and Lucas Ripley on the wing both were 
incredible. Um, they're they're just they look like real pieces for the future. You look at Carter Gordon, just you know seems to really relish being back at ten. He's kind of he feels like he's back to where he was last year, or finishing off last year, which was nice. And yeah, they just they just when they were on, they just looked like they were playing a really exciting brand of rugby, and it's kind of it's a real positive step forward. I mean, and as I mean, I, as for that Tamil stuff, I mean, let's face it. The, what are the what are the rebels out of the Western Force? After I mean after every everything both teams have gone through as well, and like I, I think for them a win a win being able to say we beat a Kiwi side was more important than being like all right let's try and go for a let's try and go for a try that we might not even score in in, in a kickable position let alone get over the line in the first place. Mm-hmm. So like I think that they need the win and also. If we're, we're, if some people are going to criticise the rebels being like, oh, they should have done it for the force, la la la. I mean, when you're four and four and fourteen for a season, and, you, and you're <laughs> saying, you know, if only the if only the rebels that they're the problem, they should have gone for a try. That's what that's what stopped our season. It's like, yeah, nah, it's just that that's not it. Yeah, I think the rebels. So to just get the point, I think the Carter Gordon Tamua, um. And I think yep, Callaway came up for form and, and Hodge as well. Like Hodge and Callaway showed the international kind of pedigree during the season. Like they never put in a really poor game. And I just think Carter Gordon got better as the, the, the year went on. Um, and the, the heart that they showed, I think, was it the game before where he ran down that dude and knocked the ball out of his hand? Like uh, there's there's something beaten there. Um it's great, uh, especially Carter Gordon. I, I think he's he's your perfect Australia A player coming up. Like I'd be starting if you look at how many fly-offs they have, and yeah, I know you have Tane Edmund and Rajan, but to to see what he could do at an international level, I think he, he'd be he'd be such a good choice for that. Just to, just to see how he goes. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but before we get to that later question, Nick, um, what do you think of the Tamua thing? The Tamua uh, incident, they'll call it. Tamua, hopefully not Tamua Gate. Nathan, please don't. If it gets called Tamua Gate, do not call it that. Call it the Tamua incident or something. Or Tamua transfer. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but Nick, stick to stick with the groom team. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Nick, um, what do you reckon? Yeah, like so. I, I've been kind of you know racking my head on this over the weekend as well. Um, like there were some folks because you know we talked about it on Twitter and some folks said it was un Australian that they did that that the rebels didn't do it and I just was like even Muppets. Um, so I threw it out to the Twitter sphere on on our uh, on our Twitter and basically asked the question you know thoughts on the rebels decision and you know more and the the, the winning thing was folks saying fair take the W um, but then you know a sizable amount of people were like it sucks but we're not vengeful we're not going to be seeking revenge. Uh, which I think was probably the majority of the Sea of Blue fans who follow us. Um, like Majority you know, of just Western Australians, Nick. Majority just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you met them. Yeah, true. Oh. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I, I know them. I know them. I'm My just saying, I'm going to be over there next month and I, I do not share this view. Please do not go hunt me down in my hotel room. Please don't egg me while I'm, while I'm covering the world of this game in Perth. Please. That will tell, tell you two things. One, we're the most remote city in the world. Two, we're closer to Bali than Perth. Right Bali than down. Perth. You that's a, that's Bali, a, that's you mean an Bali interesting and one. Bali and Sydney. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's Bali, Bali and Canberra. We're closer to Bali than to Canberra. They'll tell you that. Well, fair, full credit to them. They got their priorities in order. Is <laughs> <laughs> anything wrong with that? Um, credit to them. Uh, but yeah, look, it's I like kind of touching back on the on the on the on the issue with the force. The force have had so many chances, you know, to to grab wins this year, and I think there's a valuable lesson in this for them. Um, and that and and you know the again the point is that if we let's come at this from another angle for a moment do you do we think that if it was a situation where you know the highlanders were you know there was a it was a, it was the hurricanes were playing and if the hurricanes scored a try against an australian side that meant that you know say the highlanders would get through would they do the same thing is the question if they'd had a really bad season i don't think they would <laughs> At the end of the day, it's yeah. It's but the context out. is Australian rugby's been in the toilet for a couple of years. So, so, but it, it's a competition at the end of the day, and yeah. it, the Rebels have a responsibility to, uh, you know, to to provide to grab wins, and especially they right now they really need to because they're a, they're a side that is really starved of success. And you know, it would be really a positive thing to, ha- to for us to talk about a rebel side that actually is winning and doing well and making finals. It would change the whole topic around the game in general, I think. Um to be honest, I think it's it the potential ramifications for the rebels is that and we've talked about this, you know, in our chat a lot. How many times have, you know, a few blokes have messaged and said, if only an Australian team can hold on for 30 seconds, you know, and then they would have won the game, and then they somehow managed to snatch defeat from the draws of victory. Like I can completely understand their decision to just go screw it. We've got the win. Let's kick it out, and let's uh, let's finish this season properly. Because their squad, as you can tell, there is as you mentioned, there is a beating heart in that squad, and the thing they need is just some goddamn success. They need some wins, and they need yeah. and they need they need to bring fans like Dylan back who don't. You don't want to have a brain aneurysm every time they go to watch yeah, them. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not responsible for the force losing games at the end of the day. Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, I agree with what Nathan was saying that it's 4 14. You know, it's kind of weird that they have eight out of 12 people getting to the final. But I mean, to put my Todd Sampson hat back on, um, <laughs> it, it needed to be done because, I mean, the, actually, the fact that they kicked it out is a great bit of edge to the next game. And yeah. as much as it's not about rugby, you can't say that rug- the actual game that happens between those 80 minutes exists in its own little bubble. It exists within the context of all these different social forces. And I think the fact that they've kicked it out and people said Rebels and Force got to play the first game next season... And they have to hammer that home and bring it up and bring it up and bring it up and bring it up because that's what makes rugby exciting. Um, I know, Nick, you were so keen to talk about that Im- the images in France in, uh, I think it was La Rochelle, oh, because their local yeah. rugby team had won the Euro Champions Cup. And the whole, it yeah, looked the like heart. the whole town had come out to support them. And we never see that in rugby because we have this whole kind of, like, it's all just about the game and we don't embrace that social context. And I think if we did, yeah. and it's not stirring shit or anything, oh, it's not controversial or anything like that. It's kind of like the reason why you want to watch the game. They've really got a max on. If, if they b- bring, brought out the game 
And they got Tamua to just talk crap about, like, oh, yeah, I hate Perth or whatever. Like, oh, I, I kicked it out because they don't deserve it. Like, even if it's tongue-in-cheek, and it would be presented by tongue-in-cheek, and I don't think Matt Tamua would want to do it if it was presented tongue-in-cheek, but that would make me want to watch that game. And to be honest, yes, would. I would not want to watch that game, but I would just love to see the drama and everything, you know? Like, imagine if the Force, the whole whole game, the Force fans were just whistling Matt Tamua the whole game. You'd love it. We'd both love it. Uh, I mean, it, it mean, it'd be Nathan, something. You could make a career out of that rivalry if that happened. Oh, I, I would love it. I mean, I would love it from the, the journalist in me would say I'd love it, but I mean, I, it would be it would be pretty funny to watch. But I, I, it's it's one of those things you just you either you either embrace that stuff or you just kind of just go, all right, it happened. Let's just move on. Like there's enough there's enough rivalry between these two sides that you don't that it just becomes another chapter at this point. Yeah, well, that's the, I think that's that is one thing that you can take out of it, and that is that there is a real there is a building of a rivalry here, and I think that that you know we always talk about how you know the Brum there's a real Tars versus Brumbies rivalry or a Reds versus Tars rivalry or, or and and you know for me personally as a Brumbies fan like I I want Australian rugby to succeed except for eighty minutes twice a year whenever I play a team uh, the men in yeah. squad. Um, in that and case, I agree. To, I agree. We'll come back help. to it. I agree. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so building out stuff like this isn't necessarily a bad isn't necessarily a bad thing in creating that rivalry and such. And I think you know teams like the Force and the Rebels as our as sides that kind of have been brought in after the inception of this competition, having you know moments like that. Um, the Force have had so many of them where the, the true colours of the club have really kind of been shown that, that they've got such passionate, wonderful fans, mm. and like it's a it feels like they're the real kind of battler club. That you know, just they just play and they're all hard, um, and the stuff that they have gone through with the rebels together, and now you you have this other chapter to add to it. I think at the end of the day, a lot of the players will probably go, you know, they've had a shit season. We'll understand where it's coming. We understand where they're coming from, but at the same time as well, like there there has been a bit of a bit of a, a bit of lip between the two sides every time they have caught up with each other, and it does you know make the next encounter more exciting. So at the end of the day, teams are going to do what teams are going to do. Um, and, you know, the decisions that the Rebels make, uh, you know, are at the end of the day going to be for them. Um, and the Force, you know, if, if the Force are going to be, you know, pissed or upset about that, then my answer to that would be, well, win more games at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, don't, yeah. like, don't, put you, don't put yourself into a position where you know you're going to have to rely on another team to try and get you into finals, um, and that may sound like harsh, but this is how you make a great team. That's how you make a great team because by winning and learning and building on it from there. And you know, teams like the Force, they've got a great coach coming next year. They have fantastic talent. They have the talent to go that far. Yeah, um, very much a dad comment there. Well done, Nick. Very, very even-headed, but uh, definitely, I, I want to see this. I want this. I want, I want to see this double down on. I love it. Like you just said, I want to see Australian rugby win. I agree with you. But this is the opposite. The Rebels, when they did that, yeah, you know, they had their own motivations, which I totally agree with. But they, you cannot argue that they wanted to see Australian rugby win with that. Uh, we, we can, actually. You could actually. Yeah, cause, cause Australia, Australian because Australian rugby won Because they want another team. one against New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Australian rugby team but, won. So naturally, that they want yeah. to see Australian rugby win. It's just... Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I love anyway, I love it. I just love that it happened. 
and it was a great game as well. Well done to the Rebels. Sorry, forgot forget you. Sorry, Dylan. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, Super Rugby's over now. Uh, I actually got the finals, but the season's over. Half uh, the the Force are out. The Rebels are out. Um, the Reds will definitely be out at the end of this weekend. No offense. Oh, geez. <laughs> Jesus! Have some no offense. Well, that's right. Come on. Let's let's I mean, uh, talking quarters. Let's talk quarters because we've got uh, who, yeah quarters quarters. Who we think are going to yeah, get through? Yeah. So okay, let's go through. So Nathan, who will win on Friday between the Crusaders and Reds, and why will it be the Crusaders, and by how much? Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez, I'd, I'd love I'd love to be like, oh, actually, no, I reckon the Reds are going to win, but no, nah, so I mean. This, this Crusaders team is too strong, so bring Moana back, Moana back into it. Um, they they'll win by fifteen again. Sorry, um, Nick. Oh, like I, I want to be proven wrong, because I mean, the, the the Tars beat the Crusaders and the Reds beat the Tars. Nothing freaking makes sense. But it, I'm going based on the last ten rounds, and while I think that there's a lot of learnings that you know the likes of the Reds and especially the, the coaching team can take from it, you're playing in Christchurch against the Crusaders. It's a tough, it's a tough place to win um, at the best of times. Um, and uh, so Crusaders by twenty-five is that what you're about? To say? Nah, nah, nah. I don't think it's going to be a flogging. Um, it's going to. I reckon it'll be a close game. I reckon Crusaders by ten. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, next game, oddly timed at um, at least an official Super Rugby time, which is we all know is Australian Eastern Standard uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, Chiefs are playing the Waratahs at two thirty-five PM on a Saturday. Uh, how do we feel this one will go out? I I mean Waratahs by three. I reckon. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting one. This is a really interesting one. Um, I, I don't agree with you. The odds got Waratahs four thirty, and I think that is that is way way off. I reckon this is going to be a lot yeah, closer than, than I people totally think. Agree. Yeah, I think this is going to be really close. I reckon you know of the the games in you know I mean the the I think the Waratahs are definitely much more of a shot against this Chiefs side uh, than the Reds and the Crusaders. Um, the the Waratahs I reckon are, are a, a decent chance of actually really. You only have to look at games like they like they performed against uh, against you know the Highlanders or the match against Moana Pacifica. Um, they can adapt really well. They can bounce back from a loss really well. And uh, I don't know what the result was from the last time these two sides played. I think the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs beat the, the Waratahs. Yeah, the Chiefs. Chiefs blew them, blew them, no, blew, blew them out at the end. But it was the the thing which people forget from that game is that was the one where Bell got red carded, but in. I think the third. Oh, minute. that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yellow yeah. card at fifth for tipping the dirt on his head, right? Yeah. Was, which is yeah. which? Matera's proven his only yellow card offense, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, so they were down. They were down twenty-eight-three, and then I, that's when Jake Gordon went like went like prime George Gregan and got him back into the contest for for the only them to essentially run out of gas. So like, I think if you you sort of. I don't think you know. Yeah, asking for too much to have a, a full strength, a full strength man. Fifteen, fifteen on the field for the Waratahs for most of the game on the week on the weekend. 
So if they can if they can manage that, like you know, it's I reckon it's gonna be a lot closer than, than people expect. But I still reckon the Chiefs will just get it done. I think they'll. I I I'd like the scoreline, Nick, but I I just reckon it'll be Chiefs instead of Waratahs by three. I just realised that we forgot to talk about the Chiefs <laughs> playing the draw on the weekend. Um, well, was, oh, so Jesus. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, that seemed like a wild game. And actually, to go back to my comment about uh, the Rebels and the people in France, that game had so much energy, and I loved it. I loved every second, and it was the complete opposite of whenever you watch a Chiefs home game and there's an old lame dude who just rings cowbells, and they go, oh, that's Chiefs culture. And there's about four people in the stadium coached by one of the best play, uh, coaches in the world, well, at least last year, Warren Gatland. And it's just like, I, I, I hate the Chiefs. Um, so I hope the Waratahs blow them out. Nick, do you think they'll blow them out? And why do you think they will blow them out? Uh, I don't think they'll blow them out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, look, as much as, as, you know, I know you have a personal vendetta against the chefs, um, I think uh, it's winning in winning in Hamilton is is you know is is a is is a tough ask. They are they are for all intents and purposes they are still a good team, um, and I think they have improved since you know since Gatlin moved away from the uh, moved away from the head coaching and into the director of rugby role. Um, but like I do think that that of all the games for a potential upset, this is the one. This weekend, um, I think it's going to be Chiefs by two, but uh, that could very easily change to a Waratahs by two. It's that the scales are so evenly balanced for me. Uh-huh. Wrong answer, but yeah, no. Also, yeah, it'll be a tight <laughs> game. It'll be a great game, though. I'm looking forward to it. Um, next game, we've got Blues and Highlanders. I'm not sure how much we care about this game. I think the Blues will smoke out the Highlanders. Um, do you boys agree? Do you have anything to add? No, I think that was a pretty good summary. Uh, like yeah. the Blues, realistically, if this is a full-strength Blues side, they'll probably beat him by 30. would be nice, though, if the Highlanders suddenly just threw, like, just suddenly threw a massive fuck-off <laughs> yeah. spanner in the works and suddenly think... put together the performance of the season to knock out the informed team. It would be hilarious. It would be kind of amazing. And everyone, and pretty much the whole population of Auckland will uh, will be depressed for a day. But uh, it's. I mean, realistically, I like, like, I mean, this is it's a blues. This is the blues team that's used used to get out of jail free card against the Force, then used to get against the Brumbies and against getting against the Waratahs. Like, how many do they have? So, like, I mean, this could be this could be. As I said, I always think a team needs a bad performance for a finals. Blues hasn't had it yet. This could be it. But I just, in in saying that, I, I'm not brave enough to predict that it will be. And I think the Blues <laughs> will, will just pump them. I think all our key, all our Kiwi listeners will fucking cack themselves if the Highlanders win. Like they'll just be, be just uh, in terms of the uh, the the regards that towards Auckland. They'll, I think uh, they're probably shaken uh, in their boots after they played uh, Waratahs. Just saying. <laughs> just uh, having nightmares about Tane Edmund. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then again, and arguably, arguably the game of the round. Brumbies and Hurricanes, or Hurricanes, I'm not sure how to say it. Um, Nick, I know you'll be sweating for a Brumbies win. Um, 
three losses on the trot. How do you feel? It's a bit, oh, yeah, it has been three losses on the trot. Jesus. Um, God, that, that uh, puts things in perspective. Uh, yeah. It, look, it, it's, not, it's not been the best end to the season. Not gonna lie, it's been a. Uh, I was hoping for at least a good, a win to, to snag a, a scalp of either the Crusaders or the Blues, um, which is pretty disappointing. Um, uh, admittedly, though, I mean, we, again, it's it's the point that we have touched on a bit, but there have been players missing. But like, it's it's not like Pete Samu is a is a is a bad substitute for Rob Valentini. Um, I think uh, I do still think the Brumbies will be favourites for this match. Um, with even though the Hurricanes are, you know, looking pretty good at the moment, I think they've picked up uh, their last couple of games. They've they've done pretty well, even though they did go down to the force. Um, I do still think it uh, it'll still be a. I still think that they have enough in the tank to get them at least to the semi-finals, the Brumbies. So, I reckon they'll be aware of of the challenge that the Hurricanes pose. Um, but they also can view it as an opportunity to potentially get back on on if they play their cards right and they know how to how to turn things around to get uh, back into, into the winner's circle. So I think uh, Brumby's by five. Ooh, yeah, it'll be a very tight game. Um, I think something similar. Nathan, over to you, and I've got an extra question for you. Semi-finals, how will they work? So, so uh, firstly, I've got uh, Brumby's by 10. I reckon they'll be too good. Um, semi-finals is... Essentially, out of your four winners, it's whoever's the highest ranked, the highest ranked team plays the lowest ranked, and then the second, essentially your second, like second ranked remaining team against the third ranked remaining team. So, like, say if if it was, you know, if all, you know, one to four win, it'd be first versus fourth, second versus third, but so say the Tars get get up as a sixth seed. Then it'd be you know first first would then play sixth and then second would play fourth. So if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, it's a bit kind of lame though. I wish there was like an extra like thing thrown into it. Qualify. Like I wish like the team who came first could pick who they wanted to play. Just have a full selection day where where you yeah just they have to walk up to players and go you know what or you just bring each coach into a room and be like. You want you. I'm playing you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And it would be such a big thing that they would, like, you know, like, oh, they picked us specifically. Like, imagine if the crew, like, who came first? Uh, The Blues. Blues. Like, if they said, we want to play the Brumbies. Like, imagine that. And the Brumbies were, ooh, ooh, you know, that could be great. I I reckon that would be a greater selection. Well, you you just get get the hard teams out of the way, but, like, you know what? Screw it. Let's let's take you down. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Nick? I reckon that'd be great. It'd be like a weigh-in at like a heavyweight boxing fight. Yeah, but does it, it basically means that the, the team that comes first has a has a free shot on whoever they want. Whereas, yeah, well, they already kind yeah, of do. I mean, I mean, and realistically, what is the advantage of coming first in this competition? You get yeah. sure the, the finals, um, you know, home advantage for the finals helps. But like, if you get beat, you're out. Yeah, something something I don't exactly agree with. I, I like. The Blues, think about it. The Blues could go th- thirteen games in a row, have a have a bad performance against the Highlanders, and what do they get out of it? It's not because there's no minor premiership trophy by the looks of it. So, well, tough love. I'm sorry, you got to go all the way to win. It's a uh, if you, I guess you can go, you know, put on a, a fantastic performance and get you and get you, you know, home semi finals. But 
you know, if this is the comp that we want, like you've got to, it, you've got to still earn that right to win, to go all the way to the grand final. Um, and the the reward is that you're playing, you know, the blue, the Blues are going to be up against the Highlanders, and the Highlanders have won four game, four or five games this season. Um, yeah, that's, that's I'd much true, rather, yeah. I'd, I'd much rather make you know try your luck getting through to the finals than facing, you know. Let's go Crusaders first up. See how we go. Um, yes, there is the potential reward of you know knocking the Crusaders out, but also comes the risk that you're more likely to, you know, potentially lose out if they if they suddenly go all Crusader like, um, and you're not ready to adjust appropriately. Whereas with a, with a system like this, you can actually prep for a grand final against them and then meet them on home turf, feeling the strongest you possibly can. Play on. That's what exactly. I say. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, in terms of playing on, uh, we've been gone for a while now. Let's, <laughs> let's try to get through the, the the bottom half of these questions pretty quick. Um, so... Um, Nick, you want to talk about you specifically want to talk about this forwards going into the England series, but we're playing England soon. Um, yes. You said loose forwards. I would say big question for me is fly halves going into the England series. Who are we going to pick? Um, don't say. Sure. Wait till. I mean, we've been doing a breakdown position by position this whole time. Yeah, we've been going position by position. So. Uh, oh, are we doing? Oh, okay. Oh, I, we've I been doing a little on that. Okay, let's started. do this forwards, Nick. Let's go. Let's go. This forwards. Yeah. Uh, so who? Got a, yeah. So I'll, why are they all from Waratahs? Um, that's not true either. Fake, fake, <laughs> fake news. Um, to this man here. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think kind of I've been putting together this kind of you know Excel doc examining how much depth we've actually got in every position and similar to locks loose forwards will still come as a surprise to nobody has probably the most depth that we have of any position six seven and number eight uh, we are at probably Kiwi levels of depth it's ridiculous how many good talented players we've got um, and in the top three it was basically Hooper Valentini and Pete Samu. Um, would be kind of your two, you know, the your probable regulars, but in the in the potential of guys who can fill in beneath them, um, you've got you know your Rob Leota at the Rebels, your Liam your Liam Wright at the Reds, Fraser McWright, Harry Wilson, um, Richard Hardwick, um, and you know, I mean we've included Lachlan Swinton, but I think he shouldn't be anywhere near a gold uh, gold jersey for a while, uh, personally. Discussed it multiple times. But then you've also got Bolters. Um, Fergus Lee Warner at the Force and Tim Ancy. Um, but then, you know, Will Harris, who's had a really strong breakout year. Kane Kateka. Um, and then, uh, you know, Hugh, Hugh Sinclair. And then, of course, you know, Michael Hooper 2.0 with a mo. Uh, Mr. Charlie Gamble, who has been outstanding. Um, from all he's of these. not qualified though yet. He's not qualified until the after England series. Is he not qualified? March, March, March next year. March next year. Oh, but what's well, qualification? Three so, years, right? Nathan? I think, it's, yeah. I think it's now five years, isn't it? Residence. Yeah, it's five because he he's been in. He, I think he started NRC in like 2019. 20, he, was, he was in the last season of the NRC, so, which was yeah. what? What if, for example, you came over to Australia, mate, an Australian bird or boy, who knows, got a relationship visa. Yeah, uh, sure got, a, uh, got a passport passport through that, which is probably quicker than five years. Can then he get, get selected? 
Are you offering yourself up here, Nick? Is this what we're saying? I mean, uh, well, look, you know, look, I, I could take one for the team. Mate, mate, Quade Cooper literally did 70 test matches and didn't have Australian citizenship. The whole system's come all over the place. <laughs> no, but I think that's more so because he's a Kiwi. And Charlie so. Gamble is it? Yeah, well, I mean, that might, that might fuck like, it up. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying generally. Charlie, like, if it's Charlie Gamble Sweden. was born in Canterbury. Like, he's, he's not exactly true blue Aussie, but I think I think the way it worked was um, so the new the new changes kind of stuffed it over because he was originally so he was eligible eligible last year to be picked, but I mean let's face it, if if Dave Rennie went, hey, I'm gonna I pick Charlie Gamble, we probably would have burnt the place down twelve months ago. And now that the rules have changed, he's no no longer eligible till next year. At least that's my understanding of it. The question though I ask, and this is like a broader question though, would you would you have him in the Wallaby squad? Because I mean, that means you, you're not including McWright, Liam Wright, Harry Wilson, um, who are all have already shown that they've got fantastic potential at uh, you know at, at Wallaby level. And that's even before we get to Cooper Valentini or Samu, all kind of guys that who really kind of became, you know, established names in, in any squad last year. Who's the three, Nathan, I'll throw it we'll kind of, you know, on this topic. Who are the three boys you take into the starting team and who are the boys you bring on from the bench for test one? See, the three that I'm going to bring in, oh God, I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, I've, and it's, I'm still leaning towards going the six, seven, eight route of Valentini, Hooper, um, Wilson. But I just I just worry about having a line out the line out option that you lose there at six. That's kind of a problem. I did originally have um, Fraser McWright penciled in as the the option off the bench, but I just I don't think he's in I don't think he's in form. I don't think he's there yet. Like I I the first eight weeks I thought he was great, but it's just kind of it's like he's lost that timing when it comes to the breakdown, and he's just getting pinged too often, and you you know. I think that was his point of difference, and he's just missed it. So, on the on the bench, I'm actually going to go for a name that we you actually didn't mention in that spiel there. Go Rob Leota. I think mm. he he's been incredible since coming back from injury. Plus, is also one of those rare unicorn players that can play four, five, six, seven, or eight. So, I mean, that's essentially what Dave Rennie showed that he likes that type of player in Pete Samu. I think Rob Leota's been just better than Pete, so I, I would have him in as that that kind of flanker cup that back row cover, and then maybe if you know, harking back to other episodes, you want to go with a Darcy Swain as that lock option. You then have someone who can cover all aspects. So that's that's where I'd be going first, S. What's your list, Nick? It's your three. It's a it's a good question. Um, I think Valentini and Hooper are the no-brainers there. I do, you know, in terms of the the loose forward position. Um, I also think, though, that, you know, there's... Wilson has definitely shown fantastic, you know, fantastic capabilities as a, you know, in, in that number eight role. Um, Will Harris, I think, is also really impressed too. I think it might be still a bit too early to to bring him in because he's only really had one breakout year so far, and we don't want to fall into that that same trap of, uh, you know, of of bringing in a guy too early um, mm-hmm. that we had previously. For me, it's you know, I think it's Hooper, Valentini, and probably Samu. 
Um, just because I really... Who's playing six? Who's playing eight? I think Sam who's played a number eight the most. I'm pretty sure. Off the top of my head, trying to recall. So I would yeah, have he Valentini. plays he plays it for the Brumbies. So yeah. So I'd have I'd have Valentini at six, and Samu at eight. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's and hard to disagree with. I think the two with... certainties are Hooper and Valentini. It, yes. Not sure I'd go six. I mean, to be honest, uh, if he was available, I'd say Swinton. But um, no, because... you're completely wrong. I'm sorry. No, I would say I'd say him because. The dude can't tackle. I'm sorry. I want to see where he goes with this. I think you always need that bastard on your team who, when he's not playing for your team, you absolutely hate him. But when he's playing for your team, he's like, that's what you need. And I think to go back to our conversations about, like, I guess mental toughness. You didn't use the phrase, but that's what we're talking about. He gives us that, us being the Wallabies. Um... So that's why I'd go there for that. And he's got the frame. And then, look, if not, it's Rob Leota because he's the next guy I can see who's got the frame for it. Like, he's a big bastard, you know? Um, so that's why I'd go for Swinton. And, yeah, he can't tackle. Um, but, oh, Nick, you know I love you know I love Latu. People not being able to tackle doesn't... That, that's, like, that's like Nick's first... When he goes to a favourite player, can they tackle, yes or no? If it's no, it's just like, all right, you've, you've made they, the first cut. Have, have they passed the Tom, have they passed the Liatu test, the Latu test, um, and get and, and did they get signed on the shirt, as they should be? Um, no, nah, I disagree. I'm sorry, because I don't think he's actually got bark at all. He is all bark, he's no bite, I think. Because I remember, like, watching his days in NRC, when the going gets tough, where did he go? He disappeared into into that Sydney NRC side, and it was the case similarly at the Waratahs. <laughs> Sorry, did, last year did that recording just stopped. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't see the mental. I don't see the mental toughness. That, what he's because he's a little bit aggressive and likes to push and shove. There's more to being a rugby player than that. Um, I'm waiting for the day where he really does actually. Have, a compl- have a, an impact in the game every single time he's around. I am not seeing it yet. I always want, but then again, I always say, I always end my disclaimers and rants about Lockie Swinton um, by saying, I want him to prove me wrong. I always want him to prove me wrong because, you know, to get to that level, you have to have some sort of talent and you have to be clearly, you know, an absolute, you, you have to be solid at what you do. There's no, and there's no slouching on him as on a personal level. I just do not see the hype. And I don't think he currently has the grunt that you speak of yet to really earn that Wallabies position. So, Sami for me. I was just, just want to just on, on that Swinton point. I mean, it's I think there, there's one thing to note as well that you know it's you after consistency and you're after of seeing that game by game. Someone who's delivered that is Darren Coleman. And when you consider, oh, Swinton's only played one game all year as a result of that injury, like. That hopefully the nerve injury heals sooner rather than later. So we actually haven't really seen what he can do this year. We actually haven't seen what, what a, a Lockie Swinton under Darren Cohen looks like. So I mean, he could be completely transformed player, but I kind of I do I do kind of agree with you there that you kind of more more on the fact I just couldn't put in couldn't put in a player in a first test against England who's played one game all year. I just. You you have to be Michael Hooper levels of talent to, to be doing that. 
Like, and, and look, I do hope that, you know, once he has some more game time under Coleman, he does improve because that would be fantastic. It would be really positive, not just for the Loratars, but for depth in, 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 this, in this position. Um, and if he does bring the grunt that, you know, Nick says that he's got, but actually has, is able to control it and really just take a game by the scruff of the neck, that's what you want. That I'm not, and I, and I hope that he does achieve that. I honestly do, because, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see a player grow and develop. Um, still to see, um, but yeah, for, for, the, for this England series, though, hell no, right now. It'll be, uh, for me, it's, it's uh, Hooper, Valentini and Samu with, the, with, the Reds, with some Reds boys coming off the bench. You don't, you don't support the Brumbies, do you, Nick? Um, it's not, it's got my boys to do Anyway, hey, moving on, moving on. We've got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna move on. Um, going from Wallabies to the other national team, the Australian Rugby Sevens beat New Zealand in London uh, for the gold medal, which is crazy. A really good result. Um, Nathan, you've been watching all of this. I mean, I kind of keep up with Sevens. It's a bit hard to, but uh, I feel this is an amazing result. Am I right? Am I wrong? I mean, it's it's an incredible result, but like it's it's one of those things. They've been, this sevens team under, firstly under Tim Walsh and John Manenti, have always been kind of there in that in that kind of top three, top four, but never kind of found that way to break through. And when you start a season off, or start a series off losing to New Zealand in your opening pool game, you kind of go, all right, what's going to happen here? But this turned it on in the end. They just they really, it really just seems like they've just Again, it's it, I, it's I think it's part of the new policy as well that they brought in where they just you know, you have a lot less full time guys so you can just you just try out these absolute speeds the guns and all of a sudden see how they go and you know no one sort of typifies that more than Corey Tool like if if you haven't watched his try against Canada look it up it's he, he gets the ball from his own in goal and goes all right I'm gonna it was, I think someone described it the best. It was like under nines or under tens rugby that's best. Where you just, you give the ball to the fastest kid possible and he just runs around the whole team. Like he did that to a, to a, a national side and one of the biggest seven tournaments in the world. But I mean, and then to get to that final as well, I mean, and it was, you know, you beat, you have to beat South Africa. You have to beat Samoa. Like these two really good sides. And then to beat New Zealand, I mean, Shout out Henry Patterson. He was absolutely gun. Like, scored two tries in the um, in regular time. New Zealand then go on the attack with time remaining. Just casually makes the tackle to put the guy in a touch. And then when Australia gets the ball ball back from the restart next time, he's the one that scores. So like a near a near perfect final for him. And it's just it's nice to get that to get that result. And then you kind of you're going into a Com Games next month where. You, the Australian women are the champions. The Australian men are second. Like these are two really good sides that deserve probably deserve more recognition and hype than they're getting. Uh, yeah, totally. But also, I'm just thinking um, the amount of touch football played in this country um, should mean that we should have the best player base to play rugby sevens. Which you know, yeah, of course, it's not 100% transferable, but it's all about that footwork, the ability to beat a dude, um, you know, like you said, in that kind of way that it's you're playing under nines and you just got this kid who's so much better. Like Michael Hooper would have been back in his day, I guess. 
mean, that's what Faye Jane's doing their sleep and Kiwis as well. So that's why they've always been so good. Yeah. Um, but it's great. Um, and there's Commonwealth Games next month. Mm-hmm. And, Where? Uh, it's Birmingham. Birmingham. In Birmingham. Oh, okay. Okay. So that'll, that'll, that'll be a good one. That'll be, that'll be a really good tournament. Because, I mean, yeah. it's, ba- it's basically your entire your entire top teams outside of the French, US, and Argentina, I think. I don't think oh, I... Yeah. And Ireland. And, and, and Ireland, but Ireland are... I, I don't know they're in fifth, so they're, they're not bad, but... Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be a good tournament. Northern Ireland, I don't know if anyone... You know, I don't know if they enter a team. Let's not get into that. Very political. And uh, that's what this pod's about. Um, I'm particularly so, excited yeah. about the. Um, no, I just want to quickly mention that I'm in terms of that Commonwealth clash. I'm particularly excited between the uh, the, the matchup between the girls, particularly the, the Kiwis and the Aussies, because uh, I know that that even though the girls claimed their title this year, um, the the Kiwis did get the last laugh with the final in Toulouse, um, and so they're now they're now one one for one each at the moment uh, in terms of finals. So I, I don't r- rule out the rumour possibility of it being another, you know, uh, Australian-New Zealand final. It's the right problem to have. I think that the growth I, of, the, of the women's of the women's sevens team is just, they've been absolutely incredible. Uh, we're, we're just on that as well. Yeah, it has been incredible. Just on that, um, the Kiwi teams and go to m- most uh or, or some of the tournaments because of COVID regulations this year. So they didn't just show up, mm. um, which meant they got no points um, in the series. So, yeah, hopefully it's not a false dawn. It's actually quite representative. But either way, you know, if you if you win in the place without the Kiwis, it means you're at least second, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hope, hopefully they both go roll. Um yeah, cool. I think I think that covers most of it. Um, I mean, it's a pretty long pod, so you hope we covered most of it. Um, but I mean, I guess to wrap up, um, Nathan, Nick, do you have anything else? You have anything else? What caught your eye or outlandish predictions you've got for for this weekend, at least? Just gonna just one thing that's just come out as of the past couple of hours as we're announcing is uh, Return of Sydney Sevens, which is, you know, always a fun event. So that's, while we're on the Sevens theme, I think that that's the Australia Day long weekend, I'm pretty sure, 27th to 29th of Jan. I, I know they didn't really give a venue, but that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Because, I mean, if, if anyone who's been to a Sydney Sevens know it is basically just an absolute carnival for three days, just full of rugby and drinking and more drinking, and then, but again, it's great, great to see that back. That's what got my. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, I love the Sydney Sevens. I love the festival atmosphere. I wish they really leaned into it. Actually, for rugby generally, I had this image in my head that someone should have gone to the Waratahs game dressed as a giant champagne bottle with a bit of ranger hair at the top. Stop, try, stop trying to make champagne taint work. It's not going to. Uh, uh, well, see, you got it, right? You just hang around. <laughs> just bring a hair. And you just have champagne taint. <laughs> it's it's funny. Like, if Tane's listening to the pod, he'll know, like, off the back of that. Just be like, oh, it's this guy. I, I'm not the first person to come up with it. I'm not stealing it. 
Um, <laughs> but I just think, but it'd be fun, you know, <laughs> kind of like Avo Man. Remember Avo Man? I mean, go back to Sydney Sevens. Avo Man is a classic costume, like oh, all time amazing. That's incredible. We need Avo Man back. Like, yeah, you just... got to get him back. You got to have like, they should do a costume competition won by the king of costume, which is Avo Man. Um, if no one's seen Avo Man, don't know what I'm talking about. Some South African dude rocked up with like an avocado shape cut out in, and, and it was like in front of his body and he'd cut a hole for his face up the top, but down where the pit is, he'd cut a gap for his, uh, his gut to come through. So his gut was the pit and he was Avo man. And I remember I was at that thing and I saw him and I'm like, that's an insane costume. And then the cameraman picked him up. And then two hours later, he was talking to Sean Maloney in the commentator's box. Like that brought him up. <laughs> he reminds me. Sounds he sounds like that that Bulls fan, that bloke from the Bulls who can like balance a beer on his gut. Do you remember He's that bloke? The same dude, to be honest. <laughs> Honestly, it might be the same dude. <laughs> Just based off that information. Um, yeah. but, um, uh, oh. Nick, do you have anything? Well, I think we've, we've touched on it a lot in terms of outlandish stuff, but I figure I, I might, might chat about it here. Um, over the weekend, we had the, the Heineken Champions Cup final and uh, La Rochelle actually picked up the victory um, over, over Leinster. Um, and I just wanted to shout out the... We'll, we'll share it on the drop kickoff Twitter before this podcast goes out, so you can hop over there and have a look. Um, but just uh, check out the reaction that the team got uh, upon returning to, uh, to, to their hometown. Um, it's, it's like something out of, so first of all, something out of a movie in terms of how the, the entire town turns up to, to greet this, this team. Um, but also just the, it, it's just, again, as mentioned, as you've been, we've been touching on all pod, just pure passion on display, something that, you know, you would see in, when when folks say, oh yeah, no way can can rugby union you know muster the the passion and 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 sheer fun circus atmosphere in the moment, joy of the game that you know football can refer to Exhibit A for this amazing tour of a, of this team on the on the bus uh, as thousands and thousands of people in France. Yeah, so to describe it, um, La Rochelle is a coastal town. Or it's on a river. And just in the main square, which is against the river or harbour, I couldn't really tell. They got the bus, and the bus is slowly driving through a huge crowd, and you can't see any pavement. It's all crowd, and it looks like the whole town's come out. Hundred thousand people on the street, people hanging out their balconies, people on the ground, and their team colours are what must be yellow and blue. Yellow and, and black. Yeah, black. Yeah. So there's this yellow and black, or yellow and blue everywhere. Um, and it's just an insane kind of vibe. It uh, looks look, look spectacular, but I think we also, also do have to note as well, I, and this is, is, I think, one of the problems we we've, we have down in Australia. Like, there's no no other real sporting team in La Rochelle. Like, they have a soccer team, but it's, like, fourth or fifth division French football. So, like, mm. that's... And th- this shows what happens when you, you can really garner that support in a, in a one-team town, but... I mean, it just gets me hyped for a World Cup looking at this stuff. Like, this is this is what they're willing to do for their club side. Imagine what's going to happen with, with a French side that's going to be probably at its peak with a whole nation behind it. Like, that's going to be so cool to watch. Yeah, totally. 
totally. It, it's sick, and it's it's a completely different vibe to here. Because I don't think even if the Waratahs did a bus stop parade through Mossman, would you get everyone out in Mossman um, cheering down the Waratahs? Or if the Chiefs won in Hamilton, I mean, they can't even sell out the stadium, so I don't think that that's going to happen in Hamilton. Um, but you could see it happening in Fiji if yeah. the draw won. Um, let's, let's, just, let's also just go out on a limb here, and, and I'll make a note to say that if Fiji play all of their home games in Fiji next year, then they're basically a shoe in for the, they're basically in a shoe in for the top four. Yeah. Is it is, is, is this the we're already making early season predictions, are we? <laughs> like, you're like like those, <laughs> you're so, you just say those in January. Me. Come on, <laughs> say those in January. Also, uh, by the way, I've, my, just pointing it out there, my prediction on the World Cup was going to be in finals contention came true. So you know, one for one so far. Just, yeah, but, well, I've got I've got Waratahs mates who, who are already saying this is our year, this is our year, and I'm like, no, 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 let's not go too far. Let's no. not go too. Far. <laughs> uh, it was kind of the Waratahs year in the fact that they weren't crab juice. Um, that's that's the stand we had going into, into February, so you know, it's not yeah. too crab juice. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, all positive all round. Um. Let's go Brumbies, let's go Tars this weekend. Hopefully, like, both snag wins. Um, let's go Reds as not, well. Not, not the Reds. Red, sorry. Reds. <laughs> I, no, I, honestly, I honestly forgot that they were playing. Um, <laughs> best of luck. Tell you, watch, out, watch out. Rugby Reds is not going to be happy I, when you... I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. And it'll be hilarious if I am, because it's incredibly unlikely that I will be wrong. But let's go Reds. Um... Uh, Nick, Nathan, thank you for joining. Um, we hoped you enjoyed this pod. Hopefully Nick can cut it up so it's not three hours long or however long it will be. Um, the length of a U2 concert. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I love it. I love it. Um, but cool. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you're really angry that I've just said that the Reds are going to lose, which they are, please leave a comment. It does really well for our metrics and ad revenue, um, which is all going to a trip to uh, Dapto, uh, end of year trip to Dapto. I think that's all they can afford. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you hope you enjoyed the pod. Um, and yeah, let's go Reds, Waratahs and Brumbies this weekend. Until next time. But what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it, think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo, very good, very good. <laughs>